Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. I didn't have a safety net. I just was taking a leap. But you're right. I, the thing that I get coming back to is, well, I can always get a job again. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. I have another great show for you today. I'm excited about this. I have someone on who is uh, becoming a, a good friend of mine. Actually, we're, we met in a uh, mastermind where uh, uh, people come together. It's a, a small group of folks, a, a few of us that are doing some cool things in our lives. And I, I didn't know her before I joined, uh, but I met her in this mastermind and realized what an incredible, incredible entrepreneur she is, uh, how much great insight she has, and what a great attitude toward business, toward achieving, toward creating the life that you want to live. And I just really had to have her on the show so she could share this with you and you could be exposed to her and all that she does. She's super accomplished. It's very hard to do justice to what she has been able to do over the last decade or so uh, in a short form like we have here, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, she's an entrepreneur based in New Zealand and host of the Untapped podcast. And she is a lover of handstand, uh, handstands and dogs. So that's fun. Her mission is to help women entrepreneurs leverage their unique set of skills and knowledge and make an impact and an income that they really, really want uh, simply by being exactly who they are. She's a contributor to Thrive Forbes and Lifehack and has been featured on many other publications and media outlets, including 60 Minutes, Yahoo Finance, Huffington Post, Guardian, and Daily Mail. Uh, she is a two-time Amazon number one best-selling author, uh, a sought-after speaker, and named to one of Huffington, Huffington Post's 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs in 2017. She also, by the way, has a new book that I, I love the title. I love the whole thing about it. I love the concept. It's called Suck It Up, Princess. And in 2021, she was listed on Cashflow Podcasting's 13 Women in Business coaches today, or the 13 women's business coaches today. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Uh, she is Natalie Sisson, and uh, just, just an incredible, incredible person, great entrepreneur. We had a fun conversation. We talked about overcoming fears and and the, you know, the, the idea of just following your dreams, going after it, right? She did it in a way that was right for her, uh, but we kind of had that discussion of what that mental process is. How do you do that? And what was her journey? And how is she helping folks now do the exact same thing? So I highly suggest you take a listen. I I suggest that you go and check out her podcast. Go get her book. You're going to want to get into her world after you hear this conversation because it was a ton of fun, very enlightening, and just, just a blast. So get ready, sit back, grab a pen and pencil, get ready to take notes. And I give you, without any further ado, Natalie Sisson. All right, Natalie, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time. This is exciting for me. It's super exciting for me too, Mike. 
Yeah, this is cool. I interview so many people that I just, I, I don't know them until I talk to them, right? But it's fun always to interview someone that I'm friends with that I've gotten to know over the last uh, several months. We're in a mastermind together and uh, we may may or may not talk about that, but that's how we know each other. And, uh, and it's really cool to bring you in and what I know the types of things we're going to be talking about today, I think is so, so good for my listeners because... Um, you know, sometimes when you're in an industry and you kind of run inside of that industry for years and years and years, you don't hear new perspectives. You don't get other, you know, other vantage points that you can get uh, from someone who doesn't exclusively run in the real estate world, right? So it's always great to bring in folks like you who are so accomplished, have done so much, and uh, so sought after to get your your kind of your vantage point and your insights on on just entrepreneurialism, just out there in the world trying to figure this whole thing out and and make our own way, right? And some people uh, phrase it as "kill what you eat" or "eat what you kill." Wrong way, eat what you kill, right? <laughs> so we're out there hunting all the time, and and uh, and it's just great to get someone in who's like minded that way and has a different perspective. So thank you again for the long way of saying thank you again for doing this. Oh, thank you. I haven't actually heard that one before. Eat what you kill. So yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a graphic sort of an aggressive uh, image, but you yeah. know, essentially we're out there hunting and no one's bringing us food as entrepreneurs, right? We have to go mm-hmm. out there and find it ourselves. So we could say, eat the berries that you pick. That's a little less uh, a graphic and aggressive, but still it's the same thing. We're eating what we what we find. Um, so I, I, I introduced you. I did sort of more of a formal bio at the top of this, but if you could, uh, let's give people the cliff notes and talk about, let's dial it back because I know you were in corporate for a while too, right? And it's always interesting for people to hear like what what that was, what you did and why you left. Why did you make that choice to leave? Yeah, I had some high-flying corporate dreams. I think when I started out, out of university um, into a recruitment agency of all things, which I realize now is so hilarious because I love interviewing people. So I'm still interviewing people now, (laughs) but the actual recruitment firm itself and that whole life of that hustle and the sales and just how flippant it was, wasn't for me. Um, And then I went into a marketing role, which is where I really, really did want to be and worked my way up through the ladder pretty quickly. I was really good at interviewing, um, probably after the recruitment agency, but also just had faith and confidence in my own skills. And so I would get these jobs that probably wasn't quite qualified for and kept working my way up. And each time I got bored in a job, I'd quit and I'd go and travel overseas. Um, but I'd always come back and be able to explain that time away. Like people like, oh, it must have been really, you know, a growth building time. And I was like, yes, it really was because, you know, I did this thing. So they never saw it as a, no, you have too many gaps in your resume. Yeah. Um, and, and just kept doing that, actually. I think it was probably a bit of savvy and a bit of cheek, but also just would come into companies and really try and make a big difference. And then I I took that where I was in New Zealand and I went over to London because I just, a lot of New Zealanders know that they live in one of the most beautiful countries in the world and extremely grateful to be here, but you still need to stretch your legs and get out of that. Mm. And I'd been traveling ever since I was six, thanks to my European parents. So Mm. London was like a place to test it even more. But the interesting thing over there, and maybe it's the same in the US, they couldn't pigeonhole me because in in New Zealand, you do so many roles within a role, like you're really stretched um, you know, if you're a marketing manager, you're kind of doing the, sometimes you can be down the warehouse picking and packing right through to the national strategic plan. Yeah. And when you got to the UK, they were like, nope, you're either a brand manager or an FMCG manager or a research marketer. And I was like, no, 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 I can do all these things. So it was a really interesting time to sort of look at from a corporate point of view, what they valued and how I didn't want to be pigeonholed. Um, 
and again, just managed to hold out and work for some really big international companies, travel around Europe with them and hone my skills until I got to my like, what I think was going to be my dream job. It was head of propositions development at the British Medical Association. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I got to start a whole new department and head up, which was really cool, how to turn doctors into entrepreneurs, actually, talking about entrepreneurialism. So it was how to get them to not just being doctors, but to build up their services and start taking on more of the NHS yeah. services and really make some decent money. And I got blocked on every single piece of that job. I kid you not. Like they brought me in to do it. And then they like kind of retracted and went, oh, but we're a trade union and we're a professional association and maybe we shouldn't be doing this. So I got to pilot a project and start putting it out as a beta and, and the doctors loved it. And then they're like, no, we're just not sure. And it just drove me nuts. If I'm being really honest, I was like, <laughs> how are you expecting me to innovate or create or do this if you're blocking me? Yeah. And I remember waking up one morning and I just didn't want to go to work. And that is so not like me. I'm always mm. motivated. And it happened over the space of two weeks. And I guess, unlike other people, I didn't sit there for months or years. I just went, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I, can, nice. I think I can do something better by myself or on my own. So that's when I booked my one-way flight to Canada. And the rest, as I say, is history. So would you? where do you live now? I'm in New Zealand. Okay. Okay. I thought you were in New in Zealand. In my home country. I gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. So... First of all, you're right. I think uh, after hearing that, and I know I'm I'm there too. Like I'm hearing it going, gosh dang it, why didn't I quit in two weeks after I was miserable? <laughs> I, I sat in my cubicle for years actually of being miserable. Wow. So I know that feeling, um, and it it's scary, right? I mean, there are certain uh, personality types that just have a hard time with with taking leaps of faith. And um, I don't know, some of it could be upbringing. I don't know if your parents were like encouraged entrepreneurialism or having that adventurous spirit. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, I, I grew up in what is called the Midwest of the United States. Uh, very blue collar, very union oriented, very like just get up at six in the morning, go to work, get home at five, eat dinner, go to bed, rinse and repeat every single day until you die. Like it's really what, it doesn't sound that grim when they're telling you, but that's essentially the message, right? And so yeah. you get indoctrinated into that. And they mean well, obviously, but there's like this gravitational pull. And for some people, it's just hard to get out of that gravitational pull. So I think it's awesome that you realized you were miserable, didn't want to go to work and said, I'm going to do something about it because regret is the worst. And, you know, getting to an advanced age, looking back and saying, what if I had just said enough of this and, and taken that on? So, um, so you did Can that. I also caveat there, Mike, that I'd yeah. also, you know, I wasn't super flush with money, even though I was earning well, London is just not a city to feel rich in. Um, and I'd also just invested in a property with a friend. So it was a really weird time to leave because I had an amazing group of friends. I played Frisbee, World Ultimate Frisbee. Um, I just bought this house and I had this really good job on paper and a lot of people thought I was really crazy. So I will just put that out there that I didn't have a safety net. I just was taking a leap. But you're right. I The thing that I get coming back to is, well, I can always get a job again. Like I mm -hmm. literally, I was like, I can always come back to a job. I was young enough. I was late 20s that I figured I could do that. So why not? Now, were were you single at the time? Was there somebody you had to like also yeah. convince this was the right thing? No, I was single at the time. So okay. obviously that made it even easier. Yep. Um, but yeah, it just, it really was like, do I want to wake up much like you said, for the rest of my life doing yeah. the travel, the commute, the hustle, the grind. And I was like, nope, <laughs> it's yeah. got to be something better. So what made you, yeah. you said you had just invested in a property. Was that the house you were living in or, or something else? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We, well, yes, we ended up 
we were renting together as friends. There were three of us, and then two of us ended up buying a house in Streatham or St. Retham. Um, and then we were living in that for quite a while, paying off the mortgage, et cetera. Okay. So I had to, you know, he was cool about it as long as I kept my bit up and the rent covered it and everything. So it was quite a big leap, but it was a really smart move to make before I went because I later sold my share in it for um, a pretty decent amount, actually. Yeah, so what what they call that in the real estate world is house hacking. I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but house hacking. I have. Yeah, so that's exactly what you did. And some people do it sort of just it's just the way it works. They're not trying to house hack, but but it works out that way. But um, yeah, it's that's totally legit, man. A lot of people do that. It's a great way to start. It's a great way to at least understand the value of buying a house and kind of having it for a while and then selling it for a profit. So that's awesome. And I know talking to you beforehand, you've done that more than once. Like you've you kind of had this experience uh, more, you know, over and over where you've bought a house, you put value or just appreciate it, you sell it for a profit. And I know the last one you were mentioning before we hopped on here live was the best investment you've done. Yeah. Yeah, what, it was nuts. What, can you, um, if you don't mind, uh, and this is like, I don't know, outside of the real estate world, I think people are di- a little different. We're like insanely like transparent and open about numbers. And I'm not asking you to necessarily be, but can you give us a sense of what that looked like and where it was, by the way, where was the house located? How yeah. did you buy it? And sort of what did that investment look like at the end of the day? As much as you're comfortable saying. Yeah, I'm saying. happy to do that because I actually just posted that in a group that is all about like money and wealth in a good way. Okay. And it's the one group where you can be super transparent with that. So okay. it's in it was in Wellington, New Zealand, where I'm originally from. Um, I bought it about five years ago for 350000 New Zealand dollars. Okay. Um, and I just sold it for seven nine five, which sounds nuts. Um, so in five years, it had more than two and... What's that? 2.25x. Um, but on top of that, during that time, I rented it and I Airbnb'd it and I made about just under 100K net during that time. So after expenses, body corp, which is something homeowners stuff that you call over there, but that okay. was pretty crazy to actually do the numbers and go, right, I've actually made about 180,000 in like, income over the years, but 98 thousand or so in profit, which was incredible. Right. And then on top of that, I didn't have a huge loan on it because I put some money down in a mortgage. So I actually came away with, which still blows my mind, just under 450,000. It's <laughs> amazing. Cash. I know. You're, it's, yeah. <laughs> you're a real estate investor. Like that's it. Sorry. You can add that yeah. to your resume. You're now a real estate investor because I know real estate investors that haven't made that much in the last five years. So um, yeah. kudos. That's amazing. That's that's totally awesome. How is the real estate market in New Zealand? Is it pretty hot there too as well? It is hot. So that was pretty surreal to me. But um, actually most of the ones that I've done have had like this Midas gold touch throughout the years. So just I think buying right at the right time yep. and then riding out the market. It is nuts over here right now. Prices are extortionate. Um, it is really hard to buy here for first homeowners, super yeah, expensive. Yeah. And they're trying to now crack down on investors to make it harder for them, which is starting to work. So it's mm. it's actually the first time in my life where I haven't wanted to invest in a new property. I will. I'm in new builds is really smart over here right now. Um, but anything else is just going to be really hard to get your numbers right on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So that was just recently you did that. That was uh, last week. Okay. Okay. That's super recently. Well, congratulations is in order. I haven't talked to you in like yeah. a week and a half. So uh, congratulations on that. So let's. you were in this great corporate job, which turned out to be kind of a nightmare at the end. You ended up leaving. What was the first thing you did when you left? And what was your mindset like when you left? Were you like super optimistic or like, oh my God, what did I do? Like, where were you? Where were you at <laughs> mentally? I think a bit of both, but I'm always more <laughs> on the optimistic side. So I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? 
But also I was heading over to Canada on a one-way ticket. I'd always wanted to go to Canada. I was off to play World Championship Ultimate Frisbee, nice. which thankfully most US people do know is a sport. Um, other places they're like, what? <laughs> uh, and I just I felt like I just had this open slate to do whatever. And I was really determined when I hit the ground, knowing nobody, by the way, nobody but one Frisbee player, that I was going to network like crazy and figure out how to start my own business, which I had a few ideas around which essentially actually I thought might be consulting two big corporates about health and wellness so that they could decrease the amount of sick days their employees mm. had um, and create happier, healthier employees and workforces because that was just something that I knew enough about or had witnessed was quite toxic in the work environment. So that was my initial plan, which didn't happen to be the case. But um it was a good, I just knew that I was going to do my own thing. Yeah. So <laughs> what was hilarious the, in a new city. Yeah. That, and that's, um I, I don't know. I think, boy, I get so frustrated and I don't, you can, I don't know if you're the same, but um I know just, <laughs> just based off of, of your, uh, of your, uh, your book, Suck It Up Princess, it sort of implies that there's a little <laughs> tough love there. Um, and, and yeah. so I get frustrated with people that I know who have all these excuses in the world to not do whatever it is they want to do, start a business, whatever it is. Like they make all these excuses and I go, you know, some people actually have way less of a head start than you. Like you went to Canada, didn't know anybody, right? And got started. Like people who live in their hometown, know everyone, have a lot of connection, like, and they, there's all these excuses not to get started. It's so frustrating. What was that like? What what actually was, you told me what your plan was and it didn't really necessarily work out the first plan. What was the, what was the thing that you did that you were first like, okay, this, this is working for me. This, this is really, really good. Like, what was it that actually started getting traction? Uh, well, as you may or may not know, Vancouver, much like San Fran is just um, the city of networking. So I think my main tactic was, I know nobody, I'm going to go to every single networking event that I can yeah. in a range of different areas, but mainly around entrepreneurialism because I had no idea about it. Um, and that was so startup nights, um, Ignite talks, just just so many networking events. And it was at one of those networking events where I met my future business partner, literally over a giant cheese platter and a glass of wine. And I remember it really vividly because we got chatting and he said, um, he said, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a homeless, unemployed bum and I really love <laughs> marketing communications. It's my background. And he said, oh, my God, you sound perfect. I'm doing a startup in the tech scene and that's the skill set that I need. And I was like, which bit, the homeless, unemployed part? or Because I literally was at that time. I was staying <laughs> in somebody's apartment in downtown Vancouver. And, um, yeah, and it was hilarious, I think, just that real honesty and transparency. And we went for coffee the next day. Um, and I always remember being a bit like, is this just a slightly older guy trying to hit on me? But no, we talked about his business idea. It was um, a tech app on Facebook that made it easy for sports teams, fundraisers, um, even political candidates to be able to raise money, collect money, et cetera. Mm. Um, and it's still going to this day. It's called Fundraiser. They've done it incredibly well. And they were trying to build an app. I mean, they hadn't even started at that point in Facebook that before payments were even a thing in there. And so we ended up building that together. So I was there for around 18 months, co-founded it. We got investment raise, financial capital, like talk about just throwing yourself into the deep Heck end yeah. of entrepreneurship. Wow. It was, uh, we had no money, no budget. We hired a developer and then another with the money that we got in from friends and family. I raised money from my friends and family. Um, and it was just a, a wild ride of a lot of coffee and a lot of late nights and just immersing yourself in that like fast-paced male-dominated tech scene. And I yeah. loved it. What it so what, what was the big take? Well, first of all, you were in there for 18 months. Why did you exit? Why did you get out? 
Or did I you got sell out because, uh, well, it was actually a really beautiful move and he was the one who spotted it. I had started blogging um, probably about three months into that journey because I was taking in so much. And the way that I learn and process is to kind of relay it and teach it. So I started a blog called Woman's World, which is all about why aren't there sort of more women <laughs> in the tech space, but also as CEOs. And I just wanted to learn from them. So I used that blog to interview really high standing women um, around the world who were doing awesome things in their business. And it kind of took on a life of its own, Mike. And it it got quite popular. And then I figured out how do you build an email list? And then how do you build a community? And at one point, my business partner was just like, you know what, Nat, you're actually really love that. Like it's your passion. You're really good at it. Maybe you should consider turning it into a business. Not that he wanted to lose me, but he could just see that it was buying for, I guess, my attention. And I was yeah. like, hmm, you're actually right. So again, I did this thing of leaving a great business and a salaried co-founder role, which is pretty rare and walking into, oh, all I've got is a blog. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. Now, just out of curiosity, because you're an entrepreneur, there's no doubt you're 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 a hardcore entrepreneur. Do you do you? And I'm not implying this because of what I've heard so far. You're you're we're we're, com, we're taking your journey and compressing it into a very short conversation. But how much of you feels the need to to put yourself in a situation where you have to perform and you and you're building something new and you're figuring it out and as opposed to having something that's very comfortable and you know you can sort of do it without effort is there is there any of that involved yeah i think so hands down cuz even on my entrepreneurial journey like where i've had a great program that's making me you know multiple six figures and i did this with one of my courses I got to a point where I was a little bit bored with it. <laughs> Instead of systematizing it and automating it and maybe having other people come in and run it, I went, what's the next new shiny bright object, which I don't <laughs> normally do. And looking back on it, I could have been sitting on this course for the last five or six years, building it up into millions, but I chose to make it harder on myself <laughs> by taking you know, a slightly different path or creating something new. Yeah. And sometimes I think that's a great thing. And sometimes I think it's a ludicrous thing to do. So I've gotten smarter as I've gotten older about not just throwing everything out, um, but but building it up and maybe systemizing, automating it, having a team on it before I switch into what's the next level of growth. So, so yeah, I do think I like to put myself in those situations. Yeah, I can tell. You know what though? I can tell, but that that's a, I mean, I, you probably know this. That's, that's a, it's a theme that runs through a lot of entrepreneurial journeys is they just, they need to be in the building phase. They love to be in the building phase, the idea phase, the visionary phase. And once it gets to be a grind or it gets to be sort of like repetitive, it gets boring. I, I know I'm that way. And, uh, and mm -hmm. I just, I didn't really even realize that about myself until just a couple of years ago. I just would lie to myself. I would basically act like it was something <laughs> wrong with me that I couldn't stay focused on something for very long before I got bored. But it's just the way it is. I know that about myself. Um, Talk I will to me. say, though, that I do actually have really good stickability. So even though I do like to look at new things, like you said, that growth building phase, I, I have done a lot of things for a long time that I'm just really consistent with. So it's a bit of a dichotomy yeah. that is interesting for me. Yeah, that it is. It is very interesting how we all kind of weave through this entrepreneurial journey. Talk to me for a minute about, and I want to, I want to definitely want to dive into your book. But I tell me about uh, the mindset when people uh, come to you, and I know you've consulted tons of people, you've you've coached and you've mentored and you've you've done all that. When people say, "I just, I don't know if it's the right thing to do to." kind of pursue something like I have, you know, I have a husband, I have a wife, I have kids, I have a house, I have all these obligations. Like, I'm not sure if it's the right thing for me. How do you typically talk to those folks and what do you tell them? 
I'm so glad you asked that because my default used to be way back when I was probably a little bit younger and stupider was um, you should never have a backup plan is what I used to say and you should just go for it. No, I wasn't that like straight up, but I was like, if you really want to go for this thing, if you really want to change your life, if you feel that this is something you can do, why not go all in? Yeah. Um, yep, make sure you have maybe three months worth of runway of cash flow, but go all in. Um, give it your best shot. The worst that can happen is you can, you know, always go back to kind of where you were. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's not how most people operate, but it did help a lot of people to get past themselves, like really, really look at where do you want to be in three yeah. to five years from now and painting that picture for them of what was possible. And that usually was enough to get people to take massive action because that's what it requires, right? Yeah. Um, but then I remember just kind of going, actually, not everybody has the default mode of um, let's just go for it like you and I probably do. And that for some people, they really do need to actually, first of all, build it up as a side hustle. So over the years, I've I've kind of softened on that and tried to get into their head of who they are. Are they an introvert, an extrovert? How much do they have on the line? Is this massive debt? Do they have a family? And is it better for them to, you know, get onto it and throw themselves into a side hustle, but build it up to a point where it's earning enough money that they're comfortable to quit their job yeah. um, and do all those things? And, you know, I just, I kind of base it on the person and where they're at in their life as to the advice that I give yeah. and make sure that I've got the full picture for them. Yeah, I agree. I, I did it as a side hustle first. And you know, I, I have I have way more patience with someone not wanting to just quit their job and go full in, but I have less patience for people who won't go all in in the time they have available on the side. You know what I mean? Like if you have three hours a day where you could pretty much do whatever you want to do and you choose to not spend that three hours doing the thing that you say you want, then I have no tolerance for you. If you say my husband, my wife absolutely positively will not let me quit my job right now and I have to do this on the side. I do have grace when when it's when it comes to that because I understand relationships that's that's way more important. But don't tell me you sit around and watch TV for two hours a night and you just don't have the free time. Like go all in hundred mm -hmm. percent. So let's talk about the book, Suck It Up Princess. Tell me first of all, I love <laughs> the title. I could not be more excited about that title. It's so great. Um, but, but what, why did you write this book? Cause you've written other books, right? And I, I will have them all in the show notes, guys, all the stuff, all of the courses, all the books, there's so many things that you've done, so many amazing things, but, but why did you write this book and what is it, who's it for and what is it about? I'll tell you the really funny story behind that is don't ever write a book because you came up with the title and then somebody's like, that's a great title. You should write a book about it, which is pretty much what happened. So I was um, out in the rain with my dogs, walking the dogs one day in January last year and just feeling really sorry for myself, which I don't often do. And I was like literally tears streaming down my face. I was in a bit of a funk and I was like, what? the heck is the matter with you? You've got a fantastic partner, an amazing property, a lovely life, a great business, and you're like moping around. And um, I just couldn't figure it out. And out of nowhere, honestly, Mike, this voice came out of my head and just went, oh, suck it up, princess. And I was like, whoa, it was, so, it was literally me telling myself off. And it made me laugh out loud, like crazy. And I instantly felt lighter. And I was like, that's exactly what I have to do. Like, there's literally no reason for you to be unhappy right now. Um, and I told my friend about it later that day, just how like poignant it was and funny and how it instantly got me out of that funk. And he's like, that's a great title for a book. And I was like, ah, um, challenge accepted. And I think, honestly, that is how it started. But then I really delved deeper into it. I went and researched what does suck it up princess mean or, you know, how is this terminology used? And around the world it is quite different. But it does mean, you know, toughen up, harden the F up. Um, 
you know, just get on with it, like that sort of attitude that you and I have got. And then I also thought there's another side to this because sometimes you need self-compassion, right? Sometimes you need that grace that you talked about. Sometimes you actually need to go easy on yourself and acknowledge maybe you need a rest, maybe you need to take some time out, maybe you need to reflect. So the book is ended up becoming a part personal memoir, part self-help, motivation, inspiration. Um, It's filled with personal stories but all with like, Um, an aspect that you can see yourself in and I even get into like love and relationships which I never thought I'd write about (laughs) Um, so who it's for is it is really for women obviously but I know men who have loved and read it Um, and it's for I do sort of say as well that it's for women entrepreneurs or women in careers or women who are kind of like how the heck did I get to the stage of my life having maybe not done what I wanted to do or is there something better for me or is this it um, and to really take a good hard look at what's important to them, their why, what lights them up. So there's a whole bunch in there around, you know, your inner critic and your imposter syndrome, that inner world, and how do we really tap into that? Then there's the outer world, so dealing with naysayers and energy vampires and setting boundaries. And then there's the kind of confidence building, money making bit on how do you live your best life and create, you know, the work around that yeah. um, through into the sort of self-compassion, love, romance. And it's, I know it sounds like a lot, but it is all weaved into this journey of looking at the different aspects of who you are and how you can really be be unapologetic and living full on and full out. Yeah, I love that. Again, the, 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 the title of the book is awesome. So I can see how you could be pushed into writing a book with that, that title because it's super compelling. But just looking back over your body of work, and, and I, you know, I've got it here, right? We do our due diligence, but everything you do is really designed to get people moving forward to, to, to be the best version of themselves they can be, to eliminate excuses, to help them kind of quick start and get themselves going in the right direction. And, and, and it just makes sense that, that this book would be the thing that you have most recently done because it's so in line with your brand. It's so in line with what you do. And I think folks like you who take chances, who, who go after the things that they want and then kind of figure it out. And that's the big thing, right? I always tell people there's, there's like a lot of hurdles in entrepreneur uh, journeys, but the first one is just getting off your butt and just doing starting, right? And that's really mm-hmm. the reason why this podcast is called Just Start Real Estate. It's obviously real estate um, focused, but the just start part, when I would listen to podcasts or interviews with people who I really respected in, in whatever industry, and the, the person interviewing would ask them oftentimes at the end, like, what is your advice for people who are, you know, who haven't done with this yet or who admire you, who want to emulate what you're doing? And it seemed like 99 times out of 100, it would be some version of just start. Get out there and get going, right? Suck mm-hmm. it up, princess. Like, just get over yourself and let's figure this out because it's all doable. We've hope, you know, uh, theoretically, we all have one life to live here. I, maybe some people believe that's not true, but this life is important enough that you should take advantage of it, whether you think you have more or not. This one's important. And uh, let's hedge our bet a little bit. And if this is the only one, we better get off our butt and start going. So uh, I love the message, uh, Natalie. I totally love your message. I love what you're about. I love your energy. Because you've talked a few times in this in this discussion about how you got down on yourself, or you felt bad and said, this isn't really me. And I just know from knowing you the time that I've known you, that is not you. You're a very optimistic person, um, someone who kind of brings light into the situation. So 
uh, and I think that that's just, you. you know, that's a super great attitude and message to have. And I think it comes through in everything you do. So um, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to me, talking to the audience and letting them into your world about how, how this all unfolded for you. Because I think it's super cool. And I love the fact that you just made a boatload of money on real estate and you don't even identify as a real estate investor. It's so awesome. It's so cool. I know people listen to this going, wait a minute, that's so awesome. Like all these things that I'm looking at, all these accomplishments are not real estate, but you know, then boom, you drop this real estate bomb and, and like you're, you're more successful real estate than a lot of real estate investors I know. So congratulations on that. Um, all of the all of the things that you're up to, your courses, all your books, and specifically Suck It Up Princess, we will have that in the show notes. If folks want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach out and get more of Natalie, how how can they do that? Yeah, I'd love them to say hi. Um, I'm at Natalie Sisson on pretty much everything on social, but particularly love Instagram for a good old DM. And if they want to listen to my podcast and you know hear more on that side, I have a podcast called Untapped, yep. and they can find that at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Love it. Um, which is every single week. And we kind of talk on topics like this again, just how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? Um, and I love podcasting as much as you do. So it's yeah. a good place to start. Good point. Thanks for bringing that up. You guys listening are all podcast listeners. So uh, go to the Untapped podcast with Natalie Sisson. And by the way, that's spelled in case you all are typing it right now. S-I-S-S-O-N is how you spell the last name. Natalie, S-I-S-S-O-N. Go check her out. Go check out the podcast. Grab the book, Suck It Up Princess. I highly recommend. Uh, and and Natalie, I, I wish you nothing but success. We had a crazy year last year, and I know you're helping folks kind of work through that. And people who have found their main source of income and things that they they were working on sort of get crash and crumble around them. So uh, guys, reach out to Natalie. She is absolutely someone that you should be following and you, somebody you should be plugged into. So thank you again for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you, Mike. You're so gracious. It's been super fun. All right. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Natalie is awesome. She is just such an incredible, incredible person. And I was really lucky and I felt privileged to have her on the show. Uh, she is becoming a, a good friend of mine through a mastermind. Uh, through a, We met through a mastermind. We were kind of put into this mastermind uh, by a mutual friend who kind of helps organize uh, high achieving folks into groups where they can sort of collaborate and talk, you know, what a mastermind is, right? Uh, but I met Natalie there and uh, what a what a fantastic person, just so inspirational, uh, has done so much and just taking control of her life. And I love, love, love those kind of folks. So I hope you guys enjoyed that discussion, that, that interview that I had with her. And I hope you realize uh, what a great resource she can be. I suggest you check out her podcast and go get the book and just dive into her world because there's a lot to be learned there. She's just a great entrepreneur. So thank you for joining me on this one, guys. But listen, it all boils down to this. You heard it, her version of, of how it worked in her life. It's different for everybody. But the bottom line is you have to get out there and go for it, right? Whether you decide on the spot, you know, you're not going back into work and you're going to change your life or it happens more gradually, it has to happen. Things have to change for you to get different results. You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting something different out of it. So use that, use that as inspiration, use Natalie's story as inspiration, whatever it takes, but get out there and get started now and change things for the rest of your life. We'll see you next time.